weekly program. We're back. Back, back. Sergio and Vince. It's been Vince a while. and Sergio. We apologize. Yeah. So this week, um, let's just get right into it. So there's 250,000 people dead. The COVID is spreading rapidly everywhere. People we know in the region are getting it more and more. More and more people we know are getting seriously ill from it. And both of us obviously have family friends or friends of friends who've died from it. And it is blowing my fucking fucking mind that a recent study came out that said that 40% of this fucking country has not not changed their lives in one Mm. bit. Imagine not changing your life at all for the last nine months. Well, and now we have fucking people screaming at the nurses and doctors because they don't think they have COVID while they're dying in ICUs. Oh, I saw that. I mean, what I saw the that. fuck? <laughs> Hell yeah, and that's man. everywhere. Yeah, man. I saw the doctor said on CNN that, <clears throat> excuse me, I shouldn't be clearing my throat in the microphone in any case. I saw a doctor on CNN from South Dakota who said that as they're holding up their phones to their family members who are standing outside or who aren't in the hospital at all because they're not allowed in, maybe in the parking lot or at home, talking to them via FaceTime as they're dying in an ICU bed, these fucking people are are mad and saying they don't believe that it's happening or it's not covid it's not trump's fault they're pissed about chinese people this is fucking crazy dude i don't give a fuck what anyone says anybody who's trying to go through life right now and they're like oh yeah you know um we're just in america and you know it's just da 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 it's a rough time it's like no this has exposed fuck i mean i thought look man as you know I think anyone who knows us would say Vince and Sergio probably don't have a very good view of the United States. If you thought that I had a fucking negative view of this country before this was going on, dude, Boy. I don't know what to make between the, the last election, um, which proved that at least half of this country is completely out of its mind, and I highly doubt that we could even get through to them, which is a conversation maybe for another day, but it's like... This is fucking crazy, man. No, it's... It's totally crazy that this is going on still. It's totally crazy. Look, here's another thing I have to say, because there might be people listening to this who are thinking, why are they so fired up or whatever? There's probably a couple of reasons. Number one, I would put on the list, is that you and I have friends that we talk to who do not live in the United States of America. Yes, quite a few. That adds a significant element to our perspective that I don't expect other people to necessarily have, but I, I want people to understand why it is that I think you and I have been as fired up as we've been about this. Because if you see not just people, let me back up. You and I have a lot of friends around the country. So there are other places that are dealing with this better than other places. Now, not like Pennsylvania. Yeah. So there's places, cities, there's parts, there's regions of states, there's certain municipalities who are dealing with this much better than others. Okay. Knowing everywhere is on the rise. And they get shit for it, but they still do good. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So that's part of it, talking to people around the country and realizing that Indiana is definitely in the top three most fucked up states in the country it could very well be number one you can make an you could make a solid argument that indiana is the most backwards ass state in this country which is 
I, I guess, hitting me in a different way than it has over these last nine months. Add on top of that that you and I are talking to people overseas who are telling us their experiences with this, yep. including my friend Chip, who is just at a fucking dance party in Ho Chi Minh, <laughs> in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, oh, fuck a me. country that we bombed oh. to the fucking Stone Age oh, 40 boy. years ago or whatever it was, you know. <sighs> yeah, 40 fucking, 45 years ago, 50 years ago, bombed this country to the fucking Stone Age, and they're dealing with the virus. I just, I want people to understand and, and I think people are feeling this, you know, and I think people do it in kind of a cynical way where they're like, oh, the United States is fucked up or whatever. No, it's like on a deep, like so deep of a level, like deeper than politics, man. And this could get to another topic that I wanted to rant about or talk about tonight. And that is it's deeper than politics, the problems in this country. Like it's so deep. It's so much deeper than the Marxist analysis of yep. Oh, you know, it's the economics. And yes, let sure. me be very clear. Economics have, has played a huge sure. role in why the situation looks like it does in the United States. But it is so much deeper than just politics or economics. It's Absolutely. like we don't let, and I'll bring up an example. There's, you know, people that we know who've gotten COVID who have been fucking around the entire time that this has been going yep. on. And their friends and their family can't even say to them, I think it's a joke. Hey, you know, I, I'm not happy that you got this, but this should be a lesson for you. Yep. Like you fucked off for nine months and now, you know, now you're, uh, it's just amazing to me that we don't have the kind of relationships that. I would consider real friendships, like genuine yeah. fucking friendships. Not like, I'll tell you what, man, we need to start doing more programs on how, what you need to do to be a fucking friend. Like, cause oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, this last nine months also has taught me or, that a whole bunch of people, number one, don't have a lot of friends if they have any real friends. And number two, the friends that they consider friends are no shit what we would consider acquaintances you know friends that we fuck off with at the yep. bar or somebody yep. that we smoke pot with or something like they the it is surface level yep. with everything in this country man you can't yep. dig deep with anybody with them not turning it into a fucking joke nope. or referencing yep. a fucking tv series yep. sitcom or i mean it is i am so sick and tired of living in a fucking country that is dominated by just the most surface level bullshit, superficial conversations, yep. superficial relationships, superficial everything, man. Yep. Like I know people who are married to motherfuckers who don't have the yep. kind of conversations that you and I have. Oh yeah. Like, and we're not married. No. <laughs> Might I mean, as well be. Or people that we've dated. And love too. Not just friendship, but also like what love is. They don't even know it. They have no idea. Because all you hear like, I love you, brother, or like, I love you, sister, or like, I love you this. Yeah. But then there's no fucking love. Like, what What does it mean? You know? No, it's fucking. And you know, it's. Love to me is vulnerability. Yep. Love to me is vulnerability. It's accountability. It's, it's a deep, deep passion that drives you to do things that might seem irrational, 
but that you're doing because this passion, this instinctive passion is sort of driving you. I mean, I also think love is not the perfect little package that people bundle it up no. to be. And I think this is also a problem with what people perceive all kinds of things. So for instance, people if people perceive a friendship as you just, you know, back each other up. Like, it's just like, whatever you tell me, I got to like, be like, oh yeah, Serge, like I agree with that. Or, and not be like, hey man, uh, I see you're fucking up a little bit here. It'd be good, um, you know, to straighten up or think yep. about this or, you know, yep. don't I, whatever it may be. Like you, honesty, honesty, like brutal honesty. That's and, love and, for me too. That is love. love and discipline and discipline to know. It's like, no, the easier route is actually turn your head to the side or close your ears. Discipline is like, no, I have to be disciplined and see if, if a person next to me, for example, a friend saying like, fuck this, fuck the mask or fuck whatever. No, you have to be able to be, have discipline and say like, hey, like not being afraid, because if you're afraid of losing a friendship over something that's really serious or even just regular honesty, then they're not your friends. Right. I mean, what the What? Like, what is, then what is fucking friendship? It's the social moment. I'm telling you right now that the number one issue is the social moment. The moment when you are in a, you're standing across from another human being and you see the look on their face and you know that what you're about to say is going to disagree with what they just yep. said. And so therefore you are nervous about how they're going to respond to your disagreement. Yep. what that might mean for the next two, five, ten minutes yep. of that conversation. Like, it is that moment that people are scared of. Because you know, as I know, you get into, right, no, that's the key. The key is everybody in this fucking country, which is wild. So here's the thing. It's like sex. This country is sexually repressed, always has yep. been. It's an extremely conservative country. People don't know how to talk about sex. Yep. They don't, I Feel mean, uncomfortable you, from fuck. my experiences of being with many, many partners, uh, most Americans don't know how to have sex. Yep. Um, and, and most of all, most men have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Um, yep. Yeah. So, so that's part of it. So how does that play out in this country? That plays out with people watching an inordinate amount of pornography and yet, if you look at the actual statistics of people having sex, everyone is having Drop. less sex than Drop. they had 20 years ago. Yep. And the people are having less sex, like yep. teenagers are having less yep. sex than they did 10, 20 years ago. Yep. Adults, married couple, on down the line. Yet, at the same time, there's more acceptance for sexual differences. Yep. There's more acceptance for alternative lifestyles. And there's more acceptance for like pornography, sex toys. All of that stuff, by the way, is, is fine. It's just that it's a wild contradiction that the space in itself is opening while people are closing in. They're at home masturbating in front of a computer. Or we're in the United States where you can't see uh, naked people on TV, but uh, people are jerking off to all this or masturbating or whatever to all this fucking internet porn. Like It's a wild... wild so yeah. teenagers aren't having sex, but they're sending each other nude pictures yeah. all the time. I mean, okay, so that's the... The one side that's like a wild contradiction, that's like a repression. Um, the other side, I forget where we were going. Where the fuck I was going with that? Sorry. Uh, let me let me try and so we were um, we're talking about uh, 
understanding friendship, understanding love, non being non-confrontational. Um, yes. Yeah, not being confrontational is really the probably the key thing, but it's like it's a oh, that's the thing. So, oh, that that is the the source of the contradiction. So why I brought up sex is that the it's a similar contradiction to tension and violence in this country. So there's a ton of tension and confrontation politically, socially, culturally, but individually people have a very difficult time confronting the real issues in their lives. So for instance, someone might be willing to get online and tell the mayor to go fuck himself for being a piece of shit, which he is. Our mayor is, I'm sure your mayor is too, wherever you're listening. Um, but they're not willing to tell their partner to put the fucking booze down. Yep. They might be willing to go to a city hall meeting and tell a developer to go fuck themselves, but they can't tell their uh, siblings to not be abusive or to yep. fix their behavior. It's a really wild, disjointed culture and society we're in right now. Well, I was thinking... I mean, nothing makes sense. And I was thinking about <laughs> a perfect example too, you know, this whole cultural thing about not talking politics about your with your family or friends or religion right? or religion but then i was listening i call it a npr in the car because i just have an npr in my car rarely when i drive but nonetheless national uh, pentagon radio as dar jamail calls it <laughs> <laughs> and uh what's it called and they had this thing they were talking about these neighbors one has trump the other one has biden thing and they come out and they smile and like there's non-confrontational and i was thinking like okay so we're saying, do not talk about politics. I'll just, I'll just stick with politics. Um, don't talk about politics. But now we're seeing that people and friends and families are breaking up because of that. Right. right? Of course. So, so obviously that does mean a lot. It does have a role in your life. And it plays a big role if you're willing to fucking, you know, not being able to talk to your friends and family and just literally just tell yourself, go fuck you, which is sometimes it's okay. You know, it depends on where it's at. But, but that leads to the fact that you don't have those conversations. And those conversations are confrontational. I mean, I've had that. I mean, I mean, we both know. I mean, politically, like me with my family and friends. Like, no, we would have serious, sometimes we'll get in serious debates or sure. conversations. Sure. But that's what keeps, that. not only that makes our friendship better because we're honest with each other and then we're trying to figure out like where we're at and, you know, how do we go forward? But it also allows for when these extreme situations in the way happen, you don't have a complete breakdown. Well, it's a sanitized reality that we live in, yep. which is another contradiction because in my opinion, as I've said for a long time, I think people are more honest on social media yep. often than they are in real life. And I, I, as much as people think social media is a, is a distortion of our reality, I actually think it's a window into people's yep. minds, uh, into their souls, to be quite honest with you. But, um, uh, people might find that hyperbolic, but I, I don't think so. I think that you'll find that people are much more honest when they have some distance. Much easier. It's easier, too, to, be, easier. to say what you really want to say. Uh, I see it more as the id than anything else. <laughs> I mean, really, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. it really allows people to just let it loose. Yep. But we live in such a sanitized society that, I, to me, a lot of this gets back to, like, the modern way that people uh, perceive parenting. I mean, this is yeah, another thing oh, where, yeah. like, people, there's this whole concept. So, on the one end, you have 
okay, so for me, everything gets back to balance. If you, like for instance, I know the worst thing I do is smoke. So for most of my life, what I do is I try and balance that by eating not 80, 90% healthy and working out regularly. It's not a trade-off. I know I'm still doing damage, but it's like, okay, if I do this one bad thing, I probably should do everything else pretty healthy because, you know, to like balance it out, you know, um, that's no excuse to not to keep doing it. It's just a reality. Like that's how I view things. If, and by the way, if I didn't do that, I would just, you know, like when I quit for two years, I just replaced it with, uh, well, first of all, a lot of jujitsu, but also a uh, lot of desserts and candy. I just oh, had yeah. bowls of candy around my house. So I still was balancing that out by, you know, working out all the time. But any in any case, that's how I, I see a lot of this stuff where it's like it, with the parenting. I mean, it. no, we should not be smacking kids around like no, they did, ba- you know, 20, not. 30 years ago. But at the same time, the shit that people do today, coddling. like all the molly coddling and the, oh, you know, we're going to protect. Oh, my God, it's fucking disgusting. And it's creating a whole generation of kids who are going to be. And it's wild. Another wild contradiction is it would have made more sense to molly coddle kids in the 50s and 60s yep. because they were coming up would in a world nicer. where they, it was a nicer world where they were going to have an economic <laughs> exactly. like stability. Now you're model coddling kids at a time when they're coming into a world that's going to be fucking harsh, man. It's going to be fucking harsh. It's going to be brutal. Yep. And if you're telling your kids anything other than that, you're doing a fucking disservice. Yep. Anxiety, depression, sure. suicide. They're not going to be able to handle it. Addiction. Of course. All that shit. And I always go back to Gabriel Monte. Their parents can't handle yep. it. First three years, don't fuck up, and then don't keep, don't try not to fuck up even more. I mean, that's all it is, you know, the first fundamental three years. And it's, it's, it's allowing a kid to sleep in the, uh, what's, what are they called? Yeah, like in a bubble. Crib. Yeah, like crib, you know, far away. Like, you know, when they need something, you do, but you give them space. You know, it's like Gaber says. Like, hey, if your kid is playing there by himself and he's comfortable playing by himself and you're sitting there, he knows you're there, don't fucking interrupt his play. Let him learn how to be independent. Let him know how to be not just with others, but by himself as well. Well, this gets back to relationships too. I mean, people perceive their intimate relationships and people perceive their friendships in a really warped way compared to how I perceive them. I mean, in other words, like if, if you as, as someone I would consider, you know, my best friend was like, Hey, I'm, I've got to do this for my life. I've got to move to Bangladesh for whatever reason, you got to find yourself again, or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're all yeah, finding yeah, ourselves yeah, again. Down, you know what I'm saying? Of course. Like, like if you had to do something, it would be like, man, like I got to support that effort. I got to support what my friend needs to do, even if it's contrary to what I want them yep. to do or whatever it is. It's the same with lovers. It's the same. Yep. I mean, the way that I see uh, couples interact in this society and yep. in this culture in this country is just it's totally toxic Scary. <laughs> it's over it, here's a few uh, things that are really really clear uh, one is here's one thing that i see in this country that is that people's partners are their best friend and sometimes their only, only. friend yeah. and that's a fucking problem too much weight to carry my friends Woo. not only weight. too much weight that's that's what will cause all the stress yep. is that it's too much weight uh, the other problem is that neither person's going to grow yep. in any serious way because they're only going to be exposed to a limited amount of ideas and they're only going to open themselves up to 
one person and have to align themselves to that person in other so words think of it rejected so like you have to go along with what person is doing too so you're not even well right so then if that's the right great point so if that's the if that's your best friend that you're with and it's your only friend and everything's riding on you connected with this person but that turns toxic you're more likely to accept that toxic yeah, relationship because you don't you're going to perpetuate the relationship yep. because you're scared that if it goes away who knows what my life's going to yeah, be like because i have no other yeah. network of people oh, yeah. now as you know we are close because of the amount of time we've spent together experiences we've had but you and i have also shared a lot and this is something i learned when we would meet veterans like for instance when we joined iraq veterans against the war yep. and we would talk with veterans who'd be like, man, like it's really good to have these conversations with people, you know, and, and you and I would be like, well, we've been having these conversations yep. with our friends and family yep. since we've been home. Now, can they relate on a certain level that, that say a veteran could? No, of course not. Like there is a sure. level of like that veteran understands what, but we're our saying. parents, I mean, our dads or, but you know what I mean? Like there's, but there's a whole, ex, you know what I mean? There's an experience wrapped up in it where most of our friends and most of oh, the people sure, in our sure, lives, yeah. like they're not going to have any way to relate no. yet. We would still have conversations with our friends. Yep. I mean, everything that I would talk about with veterans, I would talk about with the guys that I grew up yep. with Same and here. that was not the norm. Uh, uh, female friends too. Right, like, partners, female uh, friends. Uh, just yeah, just regular friends when I would come home. And, you know, I mean, obviously, the community I came from, pretty conservative, and they were uncomfortable, like, see, seeing me being extremely anti-war and, like, having these conversations and also trying to figure things out. Like, they, I mean, I, I know they were uncomfortable. You could see, but, like, they wanted to know why. Like, they were trying to figure out why. You know, I'm saying like, why is it changing? And yeah, like, and no, and that's, that led to a lot of good conversations and like understanding that gap and like understanding why people see things that way, you know, what, what, you know, it's just, yeah, no, it's, it's extremely important. It, the point of all of this is that all, everything that we have been really bitching about or talking about or writing about or documenting or having conversations with people about are, is playing itself out over the last nine months. Yep. So people's inability to have serious conversations with their friends and family, their inability to have, or I'm sorry, their unwillingness or inability to develop solid relationships yep. with their friends or family is now playing out in a really dangerous manner because it's now true. their so-called friends and family are not listening to yep. what they're yep. saying because they have no respect for them yep. because their relationship is not built on a level yep. of respect um and and this so that's one go ahead if you're going to say something about yeah, that and it dilutes it dilutes the information that penetrates our communities because the whole point i mean the whole point of having community and communications or conversations in the community is that you're bombarded with information anyways but you take that you kind of disseminate that information between each other in the community and you identify which things are that or not you know and then if you don't have that that you have this huge you know some asshole said this and like all of a sudden 75 you know half of the country doesn't you know doesn't think that so oh you mean trump 
just yeah just anything whether it's uh yeah yeah it's COVID or whatever it is yeah so there's people who are more likely to believe somebody Correct. they're watching on youtube than they yeah. are their family i actually heard eric weinstein or weinstein say that on a podcast where he said that he had family members who would call him up and ask him about stuff they read in the new york times and they wouldn't believe him they would believe what they oh, read in the new york boy. times that may make sense to me my parents call me and my friends call me and ask me but but they believe me because I mean I've been did this for a long time, and obviously we have deep relationships. But they will ask me like, "Hey, did you hear about this or what's going on with that?" Because I follow, you know, I mean, yeah. we follow. But I've been following Aust just Oster home by himself. No, they mean know. no, 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 no. He, he Eric Weinstein was saying articles about him. Oh, that they actually would believe what the New York Times wrote about him oh. compared to what he was. <laughs> they know tell their, so what they know yeah. compared to what he was. Oh boy, holy So it'd be shit. like if the New York Times wrote an article about me and then, you know, my family would call me and be like, yeah, but I don't know, this This article says this, like, are, are you sure, you know holy what I mean? <laughs> like, but that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. The point, I guess, to, that I was getting to is that this is the foundational problem of why we cannot function as a society, and that is because on the most individual subjective level, so let's bring it back even further down people don't take themselves seriously so yeah. so if you don't take yourself seriously if everything if you process everything as yeah. a joke or if you process everything at this like surface level superficial whatever you're never going to take anything seriously yeah. and therefore of course no one is ever going to take you seriously yeah. i mean i see this all the time with activists and people we've met over the years who don't do not understand why after a year or two people aren't asking them to give talks places or or people aren't asking them to write essays for them or people aren't asking them to do interviews or podcasts or be in documentaries or whatever and it's like I have to routinely explain to younger activists that I know like uh, you know, or people would be like, oh man, you're really lucky that you got that opportunity. I'd be no. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, you don't fucking understand no. what the last 15 years of work has been. So unless you go talk to my parents or you go talk to my real friends, like people you might not meet at a fucking protest, um, you have no idea the kind of time and effort exactly. and, and, uh, work that I've put Discipline into trying to do, you know, and that, but that's just like a, it's a perfect example of people not understanding what it yep. takes to do anything. And that's yep. because you don't take yourself seriously. And yep. if you don't take yourself seriously, everything you process is going to be a fucking joke. And yep. you just see it. I mean, it, to me, it's no more obvious than when you see uh, how people have behaved over the last nine months. So, okay, there's problem number one. People don't take themselves seriously. Therefore, no one takes them, so, them seriously. As a result of both of those things, People don't have real friendships or relationships, yeah. so you can't talk deeply with people that you know. Um, and if you do talk deeply with them, it's very rarely, and it's probably for a short period of time, and it doesn't really resonate. So because of all of these things, people aren't organized. And we know, okay, part of that is a result of the political economy, that the deindustrialization sure. and neoliberal economic reforms have, have destroyed communities. Yep. And broken apart family, sure. Um, but again, because we live in such a superficial, materialistic consumer society, people don't have the kind of friendship or family kinship bonds that would then lend itself to like when the 2008 crisis hit. I remember a ton of people being like, Jesus Christ, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember thinking, well, 
in worst case scenario, I would just move back in with my parents. And for some people, number one, that wasn't an option because they hate their parents. Uh, for some people, it wasn't an option because maybe their parents were living in a home or something. Or they don't that, have parents. You know, or that's understandable, or they might not have parents. But there were a whole bunch of people I knew who were like, they couldn't even fathom that this little fucking dream world that they had imagined as children or as young adults and keep and they bought into it like fucking suckers. Uh, and that's not my fault. That's no one's fault except for their own and the people around them. So it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but if you grew up, if you're my age or younger... I'm 36. So if you're my age or younger, our age, we're both 36. If you're our age or younger and you thought that you were going to fucking have a nice little job and a kid or a couple kids and a boat and go on vacation and retire and blah, blah, blah. I can, number one, I do understand how all of this can be shocking to you. Number two, you need to snap the fuck out of it because Quick. the more that people live in this fucking dream Quick. world where they're, bullshit fucking uh, fantasies are shattered day in and day out, the, the harder it's going to be for them to come False to grips with, okay, hard. here's the reality. And I remember in 2008, people, friends I knew and others who lost homes who were like, yep. I can't believe that this is happening. I just remember thinking, my God, you thought that this was going to go on forever, number one. Number two, you never thought to yourself, I might have to live with friends or I might not have that house or I might have to live in an apartment or I might have to move in with my parents. Like you never talked about that. And so I'd mentioned to you earlier, um, you know, I was talking with my dad on the phone and he, he always, he says it to me more often than I say it, said it to him back in the day, but he'd be like, you know, I always tell you that we might end up living under the same <laughs> roof. And I, I told him that after 2008, I mean, I had a long conversation with him and my mom and I was like, look, you guys have to understand how you grew up, what you thought was going to happen is it might not happen. Number one, number two, you've got to understand that we might be living much more like your grandparents did, yep. meaning my great grandparents, those who lived or through like we did in Ukraine, um, the great depression, great depression yeah. and that's just reality. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you could either drown yourself in alcohol and depression and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe that life is this hard and this is what it's going to be. Or you can accept it. Uh, accepting it doesn't mean just taking it lying down. It means wow. accepting it for what it is and operating within that new context and don't have it in your head that like, you know, it's like you would be like you and I sitting upstairs uh, thinking to ourselves, God, it would be really nice to have a half million dollar home somewhere someday. It's like, well, if I thought if I had the, or man, I'd really like to have a nice new car or, I mean, to, to yearn for all of that fucking bullshit is just, it's madness. Now for people who can't ma meet their basic needs, this, this too is directly tied to what we're talking yep. about. Because number one, if you don't have solid relationships and you don't take yourself seriously, if you don't, uh, which means learning, which means growing, which means yeah. challenging yourself. Challenging. That, you know, how are you ever going to come to the conclusion that you should fight back with your neighbors, your coworkers, your uh, fellow tenants, whatever it may be? I mean, it, it just seems to me that in order for people to organize, you have to have a foundational base of like, how do you function as a person? How, what, what are you capable of doing now? Or what are you? <laughs> it's amazing again to me that I had a conversation with a friend of ours who's doing a housing rights campaign or a, a tenants rights campaign. And 
he, or I'm sorry, she told us a story about how the landlord was handing out all of these uh, pamphlets or, or you know, they're like warnings. I'm sorry, not pamphlets, but they were like letters and they were warning people about this or that. I'm sorry, they were telling people that they were significantly raising their rent. So some people's rent went from like 800 to like 1400, 900 yep. to 1300, all these crazy amounts. Two, four, five hundred dollars more. All the way to sixteen hundred for really what are shitty apartments Fuck. that should probably Shit. cost five hundred bucks a month to live in, if not less. And I asked her, did anyone knock on their neighbor's door and be like, hey man? Like, in other words, I imagine living in an apartment complex. I imagine my landlord slipping a piece of paper under my door or coming home from work or whatever he may be and being like, Oh, you're gonna charge me three, four hundred dollars more next month? what the fuck and then being like you know yeah knocking on the neighbor's hey, door and being like hey um what what do you think about this bro this is kind of fucked up huh or hey ma'am you know this is this is shitty what, like what are we going to do about this there was nothing not no. one person mm -mm. so okay so again this gets back to in some places i'm not saying it's like this everywhere where we live in, in a place like Northwest Indiana that has no community, no culture, no society for the most part. I mean, I, there's no way to describe how bad the cultural social landscape is here. And that's, that's no bullshit, man. No, I mean, if you think that's really, a fucking exaggeration really, and you're listening to this from shit. somewhere else in the country, yeah. I say come move here for a year and I'll, I'll yeah. show you how fucking warped it is. In a place like this, you have to start and this is, again, why we opened the community center. Yep. Because if you do not start at the most basic level, how do you interact with people? Yep. How do you talk with people? How do you have those disagreements? Yep. How do you deal with confrontation? Those are the kinds of things that pe people need to learn how to socialize again. People right now where we live, for the most part, do not know how to act like People in a no. society no. who are part of a community, mm -mm. they don't know what it means to be community members. No. They don't have a concept of community. They don't have a concept of society. Their concept of this country is a flag and some fucking superficial symbols or whatever, sayings, slogans, whatever. Um, there is nothing that binds us together in a real way. People do not know how to operate collectively. This is why I highly encourage people to join sports organizations. I think sports is one of the key places where you learn how to collectively act and and it's a way to relate to the vast majority of Americans who watch sports who enjoy sports and the thing that I always bring up is same with like what we learned in the military there are parts of sports culture in the military that are highly toxic and and unhelpful and dangerous but there's another part of it especially the the acting as a collective oh, unit no. number one and number two the not leaving anyone behind. Yep. So like the saying in the Marine Corps is like you never leave a Marine behind. So you're only, you're all, as it's a cliche, but it's a good saying, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Yep. So you're all, you have to bring those people up from the bottom. Yep. You don't just leave them behind. You should apply those philosophies to the yep. economy. You should apply those philosophies to our political and social systems. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that everyone is going to be Michael Jordan. I don't think that's the case, no. but this gets back to a conversation we had with Michael Albert. Just because Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan, does that mean that he should have X amount more money, power, influence, whatever? 
I don't care if he has more. I think it's a matter of relative degrees of power and influence and all of this. But that's a conversation for another day. The point is, well, you don't leave anyone behind. No, no. And I think being a part of those collective institutions, like, they also make you accountable to other people. Like, if you fuck up, and this is a problem with yeah. the existing left. There's two problems. One is, it's largely professional class people. Yep. Number two is, I mean, these, and I'm talking professional class people who grew up in like nerdy ass backgrounds, never been punched in the face, yeah. never been in a fight, never been through anything serious, never been, you know, I don't want to say shot at, but in America there's probably yeah. <laughs> there's a decent amount yeah. of poor working class people who have on. who have been shot at. So it's like um I don't expect everyone to have been shot at. But anyway, <laughs> I do think everyone should have been in a fight though. So that's where you're pulling from. Like the existing left is is professional class nerds. And then the other part of it is that you're dealing with people who aren't social, weren't a part of sports things. Back, you know, like yeah. how many leftists have we met throughout the years who were like, oh, I didn't play sports as a kid. And it's like, it, well, you were the fucking weirdo then. Like you weren't part of like what all the ordinary kids were doing. And that's the issue. The issue we have on the left ties to nerds, professional class people who have no connection to fucking working class culture or working class poor people. And a bunch of fucking people who didn't do what and don't do and don't participate in, like we were talking with Paul earlier, the pop culture of the United States, yep. which is a lot of it is sports. And if you have no relation to that, like if you're just like, oh, I don't watch sports, like that's what uh, other people do. Yeah, but you read fucking Harry Potter or whatever, <laughs> like shut the fuck up. So, you know, it's people are and the same with my, you know you know, friends who watch sports and make fun of people who read. It's like, hey, you need to pick up a fucking book, you yeah. dumb jock. Anyway, again, balance, you know? Yeah. Watch some fucking sports, read some fucking books. You know what I mean? You can do both. Yeah. Like, you could be social. Oh, yeah. You could also be intellectual. You can have emotions, but you can also be tough. Like, for fuck's sakes, like, just this... Anyway, I'm I'm just ranting. Oh but the, no! But, but there's mean, too many stereotypes that people fall into where it's no, like, oh yeah, and and a lot on. a lot of those cats also don't have friends. Okay, that was the I, I, I got off on that rant. That's Sam Love's point. Sam Love's point is that large portions of people who get involved with activist activities looking are actually for looking for friends. They're not looking to change the material conditions yep. in their lives. And I saw that, and then you become so fucking reliant on that, which. I've experienced an anti-war movement. Then, then, like that takes over what you're actually doing, and it's all becoming about like these relationships and trying to maintain these relationships. <clears throat> and going back to what we were talking, people don't want to start confrontations, <laughs> like even if they know it's bullshit, you know. Well, right, and that poses problems if you're in a political meeting and you don't want to disagree with people because and you're worried about what it's going to do to your friendship but you need to make an important critical strategic point or a criticism yep. of like, you know, where we're going or what we're about yep. to do. And people aren't willing to do that because they're more worried about their social connections to the people in the room, as opposed to achieving the stated goal of yep. getting the people in what, what was the point of getting the people in yep. the room, which was to actually achieve this political end. And sometimes in multi-million dollar organizations that are, you know, doing serious, yeah. supposed to be doing serious. Well, probably more or, often. I mean, my, yeah, more, yeah, probably more often yeah. to some degree. Um, those, they, So all of that leads to, again, an inability to do what we need to do. What do we need to do? We need poor and working class people to organize in their own interests, but to have a larger view. Because if they just organize in their material interests, we'll all fucking burn up and die from climate change. 
So obviously it's not good enough for them to just organize in their material interests. It's better than them not organizing at all. Uh, that's for sure. But I also think that, you know, for the, in terms of COVID and what this means, it's like, dude, we are a fucking week away. Right next Thursday is uh, Thanksgiving, right? It's a week from today. Is it? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, I think it is. I don't know. So Thanksgiving is a week away and yeah, because today's what the 19th or something or the 18th. 20th. Yeah. So it's the 25th. Yep. So Thanksgiving is a week away. I can't even imagine the number of fucking Americans who are going to go to their houses. Two weeks later. I can't wait. The fact that we're even here, again, is a testament to our inability to have, to take ourselves seriously. Fucking kids. To, how about just valuing life, man? I mean, how about the fact that so many Americans have such a death urge yep. that like, hey, man, and I'm sorry, like, you know, uh, Material conditions do produce that, but guess what, man? There's also, like, you've got to figure out whether you want to, like, um, and this is another, this gets back to a whole problem on the left is just making fucking excuses for people. Instead of saying, yeah, your material conditions are rough, you've got to find a way to not let that define your ass. And if I'm going to excuse you like, oh, you know, he's really poor. So that's why he, he beats his girlfriend around and, and smokes crack on the weekends. Like, well, that guess what that person needs? That person doesn't need a bunch of people around him fucking facilitating and excusing that behavior. Yep, what that exactly. person needs is a solid network of people <clears throat> to constantly reinforce positive behavior yep. and to encourage him to change his behavior. Yep. Like, that's what that person needs. Yep. That person doesn't need a bunch of fucking cheerleaders making excuses because of systemic institutional problems that have created the conditions in which he is operating in. Now, that also means, yes, let's organize with that person to change those material conditions in their life. But before that's going to happen, they're going to need to probably stop smacking their fucking old lady around. They're going to probably need to stop fucking smoking crack. So, like, that's another thing when people look at places like Michigan City and they go, oh, well, it's probably a fertile ground for organizing. You got a lot of uh, poor working class people there. It's a multiracial town. You get disproportionately black people. Yeah, guess what, man? Good luck. Uh, the, you've got fucking half of them can't put a bottle down. Mm -mm. So this gets back to, like, you think you're going to get through, you think you're going to organize these people by treating them with kid gloves? I don't fucking think so. I think you're going to organize them talking to them the way Malcolm X talked to people. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, for those who are listening, go back and listen to some fucking Malcolm X speeches. Also, to a different degree and with a little more honey and a little less salt, listen to some old MLK speeches too. This wasn't uh, somebody who is just treating people with kids' gloves. Like He was challenging people yeah. to change their lives, to change the way they looked at the world, to change their behaviors. Now, that doesn't mean he was perfect. Yes, he had problems. Yes, he was drinking. Yes, it, it, you know he was cheating on his wife, but honestly, that's nobody's fucking business anyway. Uh, what the fuck is going on behind any closed doors unless it's, it, it involves some form of uh, abuse? But in terms of infidelity or whatever people are doing sexually, to me, it, it, that's nobody's fucking business. Um, the point here is that you, if you think that you're going to organize people by treating them with kids' gloves, I think you're in for a rude awakening. And I think the deal is, in a place like this, you're going to need some kind of disciplined, hierarchical organization, which is why groups like the Nation of Islam were successful, which is why religious groups are successful in poor areas. 
People need structure. They need, they don't necessarily need a rigid hierarchy, but they require structure. And not everyone requires structure, but people who are coming from rough backgrounds, it's one of the reasons why martial arts and boxing and sports saves people's lives. You, I, How many fucking stories in this country of young, poor kids from rural and urban backgrounds who get involved with sports leagues and it saves their lives. It saves their lives because the sports leagues provide guidance, mentorship, accountability, responsibility. It teaches you how to grow up. It teaches you how to work hard. The, like Those are all things that are good values. And the fact that the left has denied or rejected those values is one of the biggest fucking the problems we have as the left. And and the easy and the, at the simplest level of an example, like to any event that you've ever went, whether it's music event, whether it's whatever, if it's organized, people want to come back. If it's structured, people want to come back. Of people like we like structures because it it, it makes things more um Well, less I don't. Chaotic. Well, here's the thing though. I I like events like that, but I personally don't need structure at this point. I mean, this is kind of my point. That takes discipline for that. But that's practice. But that's practice. what I'm saying is like there's the 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 people I'm talking about are people who we we would need to organize to make a difference in this society. And the point the deeper point I guess I'm making is that most poor and working class people in this country are far more damaged than I think people understand. And I think people are more damaged than they think they understand. And so that that means that you've got a bunch of people out there who, you know, without some guidance and without just the, some minimal structure, I mean, they need it just to get to the point where they can wake up, have a list of tasks that they accomplished that day, organize their time, you know. And, and for the people who are listening to this and are saying to themselves, oh, well, that's hard to do when you can't pay your bills. Well, it's... A chicken or egg thing. So here's the deal. Who the fuck do you think is going to fight for them yeah. to get their bills taken care of? Either they're going to fight for it and get it, or and that's going to require gonna some self-discipline, or they're going to keep suffering and people are going to keep making excuses and you're going to have these people who are going to go, ah, oh, you know, well, what do you expect from, from them? You know, it's really tough. I mean, they work all the time and this and that. Well, hey, man, nobody's going to change anything. You can't have it both ways. No. You either are saying there's a bunch of elite professional class liberals and progressives out there who are going to, on their own, uh, sort of implement policies that are going to help poor and working class people. So you're relying on a professional class of people to sort of act in a politically charitable way. That's what you're saying. When you say... I don't expect these people to do much because, or God, you can't expect them to fight back because look at how tough their conditions are. What you're saying is two things. Either one, you're saying then there's no chance they're ever going to win anything. Or two, you're saying I, maybe the only chance that they're going to win anything is if other people who are yep. more well off do so in a charitable way for them. And that's not how fucking politics works. No, and you're taking uh, away their agency. I mean, the perfect example when we had uh, Black Lives Matter event here in the city in may i mean right away everybody's in the city like all oh, these people were not from the city because why would our uh, people in the city or kids in the city would go out in the street and get all you know get all yeah. wild and shit like that because everything's okay i mean there's nothing wrong here in the city we don't have this we don't have that and another point uh 
it's interesting contradiction. We'll live in a society where individualism is like on top and yet people are not acting as individuals. People think they're acting as individuals, but people are not like, what is being an individual? Like, trying to no everybody looks the same dresses the same talks the same watches the same shit it's all the same i mean it's it's it is the the wildest contradiction in the society is that supposedly everybody's living like individuals but everybody is so fucking boring because everybody is doing the same fucking shit that everybody else is doing i mean jesus fucking christ i mean it's like when that that show that everybody was watching i mean all these shows man (laughs) How many fucking shows can people watch, dude? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there might be uh, one or two series a year for sure that There's I can get into. Maybe stuff. three where I could be like, in a year, somebody would be like, hey, what kind of... I'd be like, oh, I watched a season of this. I watched a season of this. And I watched a season of this. And all three of those probably took place between the months of November and March because that's when it's cold and it's just fucking shit. And sometimes you need stuff to watch. But for Christ's sakes, man, this is what it gets back to what people do with their time and how they spend their fucking time. It's just like, if you don't take yourself seriously, I mean, there's times when I get anxiety when I'm watching something. Oh, yeah. You know, now not anymore because we're so busy doing stuff, but it's like there were times in my life where I'd be watching something and I'd be like, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) I should be doing something like I should be doing something more productive than what the fuck I am doing right here sitting like a fucking blob on this fucking couch watching this fucking shit. Yep. Anyway, that was a blazing 50 minutes of fucking- Oh, really? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel like it. I felt like we just started. No, I know. I know. <laughs> well, We're just so fired up yeah, about shit. I mean, it's so goddamn crazy living in a society no, where, you know, at least half of the people you run into don't even believe in reality. I mean, that's no. fucking crazy. No, and that's where we're at. And again, the the fragmentation of the media stuff is a problem. I mean, people were making fun of the conservatives starting this parlor, you know. I don't think it's funny because what worries me is that you're going to have even more. So, in other words, let's put it this way. Right now, if you're a progressive left liberal person, there's a good chance you don't interact with too many Trumpers on your Facebook. But you will every now and then. If all of the Trumpers go to parlor... Now you really have a situation where people are living in a real bubble in an echo chamber where they're only, quite literally only hearing people who 100% agree with them. Now at this point in my life, I wish that I had more Trump people on my Facebook than I do. Like the people I'm arguing with on my Facebook or, or debating or just trying to like have some kind of conversation with and not lose it but I'm having a difficult time taking them seriously are radical, radical, crazy fringe leftists. I try to be very patient with people who I know or who people who I could see are just like liberal people or moderate people or people just apolitical people. I I really try to have patience with them, but these fringe radical leftists, my patience with them has reached its limit and i am really ready to tell some people to fuck off which i'm going to be doing in some solo videos pretty soon um but i'm really tired of of this kind of stuff and it's not helpful and it it's actually not productive at all and so at this point you know which is just good organizing um but even in the digital realm like i really only want to interact with people who don't know what's going on have a lot of questions are on the middle and the fence Even people we just 
wholly disagree with. I would yeah. rather, as long as they uh, recognize some level of reality. I have to confess, I got a parlor uh, account. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been suspended from Facebook, but nonetheless, I just wanted to see what's going on there. Just so I was <laughs> what's curious going on to there? see. Uh, I haven't checked it in like just five like days. Bad Facebook? Yeah, bad Facebook. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't. I mean, I, I also think that it'll be interesting to see once this is over with if Americans go, if they easily transition back to social life or if a lot of people try to maintain the amount of sort of digital time that they're spending. In other words, I could imagine people listening to a hell of a lot less podcasts and video things, or maybe it's that by the time this thing is wrapping up or people are getting vaccinated, that people are just so angry with one another and so disgusted with everything that they are even more sort of insular and inward yep. looking and spending more time on their own or in like very small groups of yep. friends, you know, I don't know a parlor though. Yeah. I don't want to get on. I, I can't even imagine that. I was trying to think of one other thing. I, I, I think we should save and do a separate. Cause one of the things I wanted to talk about today was like how woke culture is really destroyed yeah that probably destroyed be. the left but i think we should do a separate yeah one. it's going to be a longer conversation i think yeah we should do a separate one about woke culture yeah because it's i mean it's it's well if you didn't notice this election for those who are listening uh, americans fucking rejected that shit real so, quick yeah so like if you real think that quick. running around i mean and this is going to get into deep conversations about this idea about defunding the police yep. this is going to get into deep conversations about crazy shit you hear left to say like decolonize yep. your mind yep. um immigration too uh, immigration there's going to be converse difficult conversations around immigration where the left is not going to get its way where it's just going to be no. open borders and all this kind of shit no, no. um there's going to be difficult conversations around identity politics there's going to be difficult conversations around the professional class that kind of runs everything right now. Yep. And the fact that real poor working class fucking people actually don't have any say in any of these institutions. Nope. Yeah. Those are all the things that we should, we should save. No, absolutely. It's, it's a, uh, no. And I, you know, I mean, for me, it's, there's a lot of different, um, especially with the left culture, not being from this country and kind of like going straight from the military into it. So yeah interesting transition no let's uh yeah. let's save that and talk about it i mean as far as this one goes i mean look jesus christ man all i can say is i hope that people snap the fuck out of it after the holidays I, i'm really worried all i can say is like i am I, i'm trying not to let it impact me too much but man i'm looking at what's on the horizon for fuck's sakes for those who are listening who have not uh, paid attention to Dr. Osterholm. Listen to the Sid yeah. Rap podcast at C I D R A P podcast from the University of Minnesota uh, Center for Infectious Disease and Research. So check out the podcast with Dr. Osterholm. They post it once a week. You'll get an idea. It's the best podcast about what's going on. Listen to it. Take the advice of the podcast and, you know, what, what they're. Uh, saying about the coming weeks and with the holidays, I mean, I'd, I'm still thinking to myself, are we going to have a bunch of people out shopping on Black Friday? Like, is that going to happen? I mean, yeah, there's, well, I've seen, there's also Black Wednesday. Like, yeah. So you have Black Wednesday where people 
go out. It's the biggest drinking night of the year. Yep. So you have the biggest drinking night Black of the Outlands, year, the yeah. biggest travel weekend of the year, yep. and, and then you have the Black Friday yep. where people go shopping. So, I mean, if people do, if we see images of that around, I mean, it's the kind of stuff that, you know, I'm sorry, but this is the kind of stuff that, that gives me signs <clears throat> that makes it even more difficult to try and do the things we need to do as a country yeah, because well, Jesus Christ, I mean, I've seen some workers post basically saying like, please like, don't, you know I'm saying? Don't do what you do every year. <laughs> We're, you know, no bad. It's, uh, yeah, I feel bad for the workers, you know, but it, no, it's, you know, once they also have to organize. Exactly. Well, that's, I mean, this, this is the whole thing. Yep. So, I mean, if you work at some fucking, uh, store somewhere, you know, then uh, you should probably should talk to your fellow retail workers and figure out what you're going to do so you're not treated like a bunch of slaves. Yeah, when there are thousands of people in there. Yeah. I mean, and I know, again, these are values that you're either raised with or you're not. And then if you're not raised with them, you pick them up. And if you don't yep. pick them up, you're yep. fucked. fucked. I mean, yep. and this this gets back to the eternal problem that these leftists have, and that is they've got no balls. They've got no ovaries. Yep. Yep. You know, they've got no sense of like, uh, fighting spirit yeah fighting spirit nobody's gonna fucking push me around nobody's gonna agency, treat me like no an agency. asshole nobody's gonna step all over me and you know that's a good good attitude to have like you should have the attitude that no one's gonna step on you no one's gonna push you around no one's gonna treat you like shit because your life is valuable and you are valuable yeah. And, and it's short like this is all we got here baby this, yeah, is, this is the only ride whatever you believe in i don't care i mean Fuck i'm yeah. agnostic but like this is it like this is the question is like what are we gonna do with the time we have i mean are yeah. we gonna fucking you know my dad always you know he has a saying he's like they ordered us to survive and fight it's like been a whole thing since childhood yeah like you have like you can't let them beat you to fuck down that's what they want that means you're, they're winning if you're allowed that as an individual outside of the collective like if you allow it as an individual to be beat the fuck down how are you going to stand up for people around you are you going to come together you got to have i think finding inspirational stories of people who have been under worse circumstances yeah. Of course, we can always draw from life experiences that are far worse than anything we're experiencing right now. Yep. And so that gives you some strength for people who haven't been through those life experiences that could provide them strength for this moment. I highly recommend that you read books, novels, biographies, from especially biographies. Yep. Read biographies from people who grew up in really fucked up circumstances and yep. made it out the other side. Read biographies from people who lived in war zones and maintained their humanity, yep. created art. I mean, because we saw both things, man. It's just yep. like the veteran experience. Just like poor people, just like victims of war, there are victims of, there are Iraqis who use that experience of being occupied, uh, who became writers and artists and thoughts and, and community builders. And there's yeah. Iraqis who used that experience and became uh, alcoholics and drug addicts and or killed ISIS. themselves or joined uh, militant organizations and became violent. Yeah. Um, there are veterans who come home from the experience and they kill themselves. Yeah. There's veterans who come home from the experience and they turn that into something positive. Yeah. And it's the same for people who are living in poverty. There are people who maintain uh, a sense of humanity and decency and do their best to operate within those conditions. And then there's people who just give up. Yeah. And what, 
we're, I think, both arguing for is that we need to encourage people to do more of the former and less of the latter. And that's not going to happen by having superficial conversations or making excuses for people. It does take place with a certain level of mutual respect. I think as long as you always tell people and, and make sure they know that you respect them as a human being, but that you are concerned for them. And not only are you concerned for them, but that in order for all of us to make it out of this, we need everybody to be putting in their best effort. Yep. Cannot be in a situation where we're in a, we're in a boat right now. We're like, we're in a boat of a hundred people and five of them are rowing. Yep. Don't wait to and row. That's the, the problem is we need a hundred people yep. rowing. And if we can't get a hundred, it's better to be in a boat with 50 or 60 people rowing yep. instead of four or five. And, and if, if we only you have five pedals, then fucking keep switching with other people, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But keep fucking rowing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we need, man. That is what we need. We All right. Well, I think that's I, probably a good yeah, place to end that on. Side. You should row. Row, row. All right, y'all. Uh, peace.